I'm Alfred. And I'm Chris. It is Thursday, and this is Why Wait Till Sunday. Probably a top five midweek college DFS show. All right. All right. We are headed into week three, Chris. How did it go for you last week? I feel like we were pretty on point with a lot of the things that we uh, gave to the people. Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a successful week for me. I think we really nailed the light of salary saving plays and got a lot of the game scripts right. So, you know, I felt good about what we do. The Jabari small injury at the last second really, uh, really messed with some of my lineups. But overall, I, I mean, I can't complain. We, uh, I, I did fairly well. And I think that we, uh, we're kind of refining our process week over week. And I, I like where we're heading. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, I, we hit a lot of the value plays. We hit a lot of, I thought running backs receivers were pretty good. Um, you know, the CJ Stroud after we recorded came out, CJ Stroud was like, had a shoulder. He might not play. Apparently Kyle McCord was taking warm up snaps. And so, you know, I kind of got, I had a lot of CJ Stroud and then I got flustered and was unsure. We had, you know, our resident uh, Ohio state expert told me he would be about 80%. And I didn't really know what that meant, um, but it didn't seem optimal. So I, you know, I flipped out. I did, I did a lot of Haynes King. He got injured and I did a little Hudson card in the end. Uh, he got injured. So a lot of my quarterbacks that I rostered, you know, just had like sub five point days, which no matter what, you know, that is not going to cut it. Turns out CJ Stroud, I believe had over 400 yards passing. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, if I hadn't made those changes based on his uh, apparent, but not really injury, I think I would have been just fine. Yeah, it was, uh, I I moved off him a little bit, but I still I still played a lot of him just because eighty percent of CJ Stroud was a lot better than the other options on the slate for the for the most part. Yeah, I mean I should have, and, and you know we we don't know what Haynes King would have done, or for that matter, Card got injured and kind of got pulled bench, so Card was terrible. But yeah. I had I only had like one one card, I think. Uh, I had a I ended up going a lot of Haynes King, and um, you know. That just was a total disaster. He got injured. So what are you going to do? Um, well, without further ado, let's get right into the slate here. We got a very, very fun week ahead of us, I think. Um, some interesting games and some tough decisions that we're going to have to make. So uh, start us off with Nebraska at Oklahoma. Yeah, so this is our highest point total of the week at 61 and a half. Oklahoma comes in as a 22-point favorite. I think that's probably fair given what we've seen from Nebraska thus far. Oklahoma's implied team total is 41.75, which is actually second on the slate, and Nebraska's is under 20. I think that this is a game where Nebraska's forced to play catch-up a lot of the time, and you know Oklahoma's probably going to get out to a big lead. So we'll see what value this has from a, uh, a slate perspective, but it should be an interesting game given what we know about uh, both teams. Right. Nebraska just does not seem like a very good team. I actually took Buffalo last week 
thinking that they could hang within two touchdowns of Nebraska. And I was proven wrong, but I still don't think Nebraska is very good. Um, I agree. They're going to have to play catch up, but I guess as we saw in week one, you know, Adrian Martinez in catch up mode can be kind of electric, can be very beneficial for fantasy, but I definitely think like four turnovers in, in the second half is also possible uh, if Adrian Martinez is playing catch up. So Definitely a Pandora's box there if they get down big and he's got to play hero ball. Um, Next on the list is Coastal Carolina uh, at Buffalo, which is an odd matchup. But yeah, Coastal Carolina traveling to Buffalo. Uh, That total is 57.5 points, pretty high, sixth highest on the slate. And Coastal Carolina is a 12.5 point favorite. Their team total is 35, which is top five on the slate. So you kind of like that. Um, Coastal Carolina is not going to sneak up on anybody uh, in terms of even in the DFS world. I mean, everybody knows the Chanticleers after last year. So I don't think they'll necessarily be unnecessarily, you know, uh, unpopular that people are going to play them. And you have Buffalo coming in at 22.5, 19 out of 24 in terms of implied team total. Probably not a lot of excitement on the Buffalo side lead us next to Miami, Michigan state, which I actually, I think it's Michigan state heads down to Miami for this one. Yeah, they, they, uh, they do. So I'm interested in this game. Cause I think it will be fairly close. Um, the point total is 45 and a half Miami's six and a half point favorite. I think that might shrink come game time. I'm not really sure what to make of this Miami team quite yet. Their defense has not been very good. Dorit King has not looked like he's healed from the knee injury. So I'm interested in this game, probably from a more from like a real life perspective than an actual, I I'm not sure how much value is, is found in this game. I think there's a couple of players that I like, but overall I think that this is going to be a, a close and potentially fun game. I agree. This is a, this is an interesting game. I mean, one thing I have to say in, in 2021 so far, I don't know if uh, this has any, like, I don't know how it honestly is compared to other seasons, but it seems like there's a lot of interesting uh, non-conference matchups, some weird road games, you know, Michigan State traveling to Miami. That's just kind of unusual, but makes for a very interesting slate. I agree with you. I think this game is going to be closer than the seven-point uh, spread. We got Vatek heading to Morgantown, West Virginia, uh, a very tough place to play. And that means West Virginia is favored by a field goal team or game total 50.5. That's eighth highest on the slate, but it's because it's a close game individual team wise. They're both middling West Virginia with a 26 point, uh, basically 27 point team total at 12th on the slate and Virginia tech at 24 points. That's 16 on the slate. So, you know, kind of middling in terms of what each team is going to do. Uh, not a lot of excitement, I don't think, in this one. So then we've got a, another interesting out-of-conference matchup. Cincinnati G5 Darling headed to Big Ten Indiana. What do you think about this one? Yeah, so this game is eighth in terms of uh, what the total looks like, 50 and a half. There aren't a lot of, again, there aren't a lot of like super high point totals this week. So this is a game that I think will be mostly defense. We think Cincinnati's defense is very good. 
Indiana's defense hasn't shown the same pizzazz they had last year, but you know, the spreads within three and a half points, which I think is pretty favorable to Indiana, to be honest. But I, I think this is going to be a defensive matchup where we could see um, some efficient Cincinnati defense like we saw, we've seen so far this year. So I'm excited to see, you know, how Cincinnati comes out and plays against an Indiana team who struggled so far this season. Yeah, uh, that, that Cincinnati defense is no joke. And I think they're going to give, you know, unless Indiana can somehow turn around their offensive line and Michael Penix, Penix uh, becomes basically like healed from, I think he's coming back from an ACL and he does not look the same. I have a, I have a feeling that game could be nasty. Like the Iowa game was unless that offensive line can really figure out their, their protection. Um <clears throat> Another weird out of conference game. Minnesota heads to Pac-12 Chicago or Pac-12 team Colorado uh, in a battle of Big Ten and Pac-12. This one is just another kind of blah game. I mean, a close spread, point total 49.5. That's 11th highest on the slate. So right smack in the middle. And then, of course, both teams should score similar points. 26 to 24 is what the projected totals are about. Colorado coming out on top there but again in terms of on the slate both of these teams are right in the middle 13th for Colorado 16th highest point total for Minnesota so again nothing too exciting there but maybe cherry picking one or two uh next we've got Purdue traveling to Notre Dame yeah I I think this game is interesting from again from like a real life perspective and I think from a uh uh, fantasy perspective, right? I think there's going to be a lot of high scoring um, potential in this game, despite, you know, Purdue having an okay defense thus far and Notre Dame's defense is supposedly good. I actually think this is a game that could go over the 58 and a half point spread. And, you know, the applied T totals are 33 and 26. So I like this game a lot for uh, DFS purposes this week. So I think this is a game that we'll probably talk about a lot of players in, but it should be a good real life game as well. I agree. And that number, that Notre Dame defense, you know, they got taken by a, a bad FSU offense. Granted that was week one. Maybe there was some, some really good scheming, you know, FSU was prepared for that all off season, but then also in week two, uh, I'm having trouble remembering who they played, but I think again, the defense was not too impressive. Toledo. Um, Toledo. Toledo. Toledo basically almost beat them uh, coming back in the second half. So uh, Kobach, their running back had over a hundred yards. That's right. So, you know, that defense is getting gashed. um, And I think Purdue is kind of sneaky there. So then we've got Clemson um, and Georgia tech. It is at Clemson. So Georgia tech, maybe down their quarterback, you know, heads to Clemson, who who Georgia couldn't even muster much against. So I, this is tough. Uh, Clemson with a team total of 40 points. It's third highest on the slate. Um, and, you know, Georgia Tech comes in dead last on the slate, only projected for 11 points. I can't imagine we want to play any Yellow Jackets. Um, but there could be some Clemson players, I guess. Um, I actually don't know if we're going to talk about many to be honest with you even though they're third highest on the slate then we got alabama heading to to gainesville what do you think about that one i think 15 and a half is an interesting spread <laughs> um 
I'm not sure how good the Florida offense is going to be this week under Emory Jones. If Anthony Richardson doesn't play, I'm not really sure which way that's trending, but you know, he did get nicked up last game, but Florida is going to struggle. I think offensively, the total is 58 and a half. And I think Alabama is probably going to score the big chunk of that points. Their uh, implied team total is currently 37. So I'm not sure this game will be very close. I don't think Vegas thinks it's going to be very close either, but I do think that Alabama has um, some really interesting tertiary, secondary tertiary players that we'll probably talk about tonight and we'll probably, um, you know, could make it a big impact on Saturday. Absolutely. Uh, as a Florida fan, you, I mean, I know it's Alabama, but still it's, it's disheartening to have a home game and you're a 16 point dog. I mean, it's just, that's how good Alabama is. Um, even in a rebuilding year. Right. Uh, okay. So then we've got the Trojans, Southern Cal newly without a coach heading towards Washington state with a point total of 48.5. That is right in the middle 12th highest on the slate or actually, I guess that's last on the slate because there's only 12 games. So it's 12 out of 12, yep. not 12 out of 24. Um, that's last on the slate in terms of the total. USC, though, is, is 10th out of 24 teams in terms of their um, team total at about 28 points. And Washington State comes in at 20 points, which is near the bottom of the barrel. USC's defense, probably a little better than expected so far. However, um, if they have a weakness, it is in the pass defense in the secondary. So maybe that Washington State offense can do some damage. Um, and then next, we have got... My my graphic actually got uh, had to restart there. Wake Forest and Florida State. This is one of the closer games on the slate, and it actually is the highest total at sixty one and a half. So I think this game is probably going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be fairly close. Wake Wake Forest is actually five and a half point favorite after Florida State's debacle loss against Jacksonville State on Saturday, which is just. Straight, straight up embarrassing, to be honest. I think, um, you know, this is a game that could actually, like, really be fun to watch. Like, so back and forth scoring, I think Florida State really has to figure out some stuff on offense. I think Wake Forest is kind of chugging along with some um, big performances so far this year. So I'm really interested to see how this game plays out from a, again, a real-life perspective. But also, I, I think this would be one of the more fun games on the slate to really put some players in on. Yeah, I have, I have that, uh, basically all that in my notes as well. And then finally, we round out with Tulsa going to Ohio State. No surprise here, Ohio State with the number one point total uh, of team total on the slate at 43. I think that's going to be a trend this year. Um, we also have Tulsa coming in almost dead last. Their offense has been fairly disgusting so far and uh, probably no different here going up against the Ohio State front seven. And uh, they come in at only 16.5 team total. So uh, not sure you want any golden hurricane action, but obviously Ohio State's going to be very much in play. So that, you know, brings us to the actual players. You know, I like to get, we like to get a layout of the, uh, the field, and then we want to uh, take a look at the players. So, you know, usually we like to go towards, um, uh just the quarterbacks i think is what we like to do first i know that we were talking earlier and you do like cj stroud who's sitting at a obscene ten thousand dollar salary after his 400 yard performance on a bum shoulder 
are you going to be paying that premium this week? I don't think you have to, but I do think he's in play. Uh, Tulsa is terrible. They are the only thing that will limit Stroud is if Ohio State gets to a big lead and he has to come out. But I mean, we've seen these quarterbacks put up 250, four touchdowns, five touchdowns, just take it out of the game by halftime. I think that's in Stroud, or yeah, I think this within Stroud's range of outcomes. I don't think you have to play him, but I do like him. I'm not totally avoiding him. I think that he has a fairly safe floor, and I think that he has a pretty high ceiling, get it, given that he could just like I said, put up 250 and five. It's just, this is not a good Tulsa team. And they gave up 300 yards to UC Davis week one. Like, I don't think Stroud's going to have a problem producing this week. Yeah, that's totally, I mean, yeah, you, you can't argue it. It's just a matter of can't, I mean, obviously you don't have to cram him in at that price, but um, it makes a lot of sense and you can just lock and load and don't have to really sweat. Um, Like you said, though, the only thing is, is a blowout potential, which, you know, we've said this before, if it's a blowout, it's because Stroud probably has 303 already. Um, I think before they pull starters, they will score six touchdowns or so. So, I mean, you know, is he going to get three and one in the run rushing? Um, I think three touchdowns feels very likely for Stroud. Um, but at 10 K, is that really enough? I'm still not sure. So, um, you know, continuing on, we, we got a lot of big guns at the top. So we got CJ Stroud, 10K, Rattler at 9,500 against Nebraska, who may keep it close enough to where he wouldn't get pulled. I mean, um, why do we like Rattler? I feel like um, off the top of my head, he hasn't been terribly impressive, but maybe he has more than I think because the expectations are so darn high for him. Yeah, he's been he's actually been really productive. He's averaging over 30 drafting points per week. And I mean through two. He played Western Carolina and Tulane, so it's not like he's played world beaters. But right. um like Nebraska is any different, right? He they uh they're only allowing 182 yards passing per game, but they're actually ranked 82nd in EPA per pass attempt. So despite a low yardage total, they're actually really bad per pass. So I'm not really worried about Rattler this week. And I think that's that he, going against who? Illinois, who's awful yeah. as, as a pass. <laughs> and Buffalo. And Buffalo, who doesn't even pass. So Yeah. So Nebraska, this, they don't have a good pass defense. And this could be real, yeah. ex, really getting exposed here. Yeah, and I mean, I, he again, he and Shroud are both expensive, but I, I do think that they have a path to 250 and 3, 303. Oh, like, yeah. like I, don't, I don't think that's – a crazy outcome to like <laughs> to get to in your head. I think a lot, a lot more than other players on the slate. So I, I mean, I like Rattler a lot. He last week he had two forty three and five on twenty six attempts. Yeah. Like, hey, well, yes, it was Western Carolina's. It's Nebraska this week, but I mean, Nebraska. It's not Nebraska is that good. Are they that much better than Western Carolina? Let's just be honest. Um, okay, so I think this is really interesting. Is there a chance that people who are simply looking at numbers, maybe pass yards allowed per game, something like that? Uh, would think that Nebraska is better than they are and maybe shy away from paying a premium. And so therefore you could get Rattler a little less popular than he should be. And the other thing about Oklahoma is, you know, they brought Eric gray in and I think a lot of us thought he was going to be featured and he just flat out has not been featured really in any way. Uh, And they just throw, I mean, they're kind of like playing that Kansas city offense. They're just throwing the ball all the time. 
And so I don't think you really need to worry about, you know, the, the one thing with Ohio state is I feel like if uh, Mayan Williams and they want to get Travion Henderson going, they could just run the ball. And I think they'd be happy to do that, but Oklahoma is not going to run the ball. I don't think. No. And, and, um, I don't, think, I don't think they have to. I think that they want to throw it with, with uh, Rattler. And I think, you know, they've won a hot country's higher neutral game pass rate. So it's not like it's not like they want to run the ball if they don't have to. You know, Gray was fairly efficient last week. Kennedy Brooks was involved week one. I don't really know what that split looks like, but I do know they want to get Rattler touches. I do know they want to get him involved. And I think that he's on his way to like a Heisman campaign. So I don't think it's crazy they leave him in maybe like a series or two longer than they would otherwise to really like pad his stats. And that's, that's more narrative. I, I mean, I don't know that Lincoln Riley will do that, but like, I don't think that's out of the question either. Like just leave him in. Maybe he gets one more touchdown than he would otherwise. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is I've noticed with Oklahoma and what I've noticed with Kansas city and the NFL is, you know, it doesn't really matter game script. Like their offense just runs by the pass. Like they, that yeah. offense just, it's driven by the pass. That's what they do. Yeah. And, you know, they will not throttle down and just start slamming guys into the line just because they have a three touchdown lead. Like their offense is passing. They're going to keep doing it. So don't think you run the risk of them just sitting on it. You know, maybe second, you know, the the closing minutes of the fourth quarter or something. But I think you're going to get three full blown quarters of passing the ball and probably, you know, five minutes in the fourth, even if it's a blowout, then maybe those last 10 minutes, it turns into kind of just nothing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's something we don't have to worry about with Oklahoma, which makes Rattler a little more interesting. I mean, I think four touchdowns doesn't feel crazy. Uh, kind of like Stroud and you're getting a $500 discount. And I think a little less of a chance that they run the ball yep. uh, than, o- than Ohio state. We got to talk about Bryce Young. Kid's been incredible. Uh, I mean, really passing the eye test so far. He shredded Miami, who might not be that good after all. Then we had Mercer, so who knows. Now they go into Gainesville. uh, And I'll tell you, as a Florida fan, I don't think our defense is very good. I think, if nothing else, Todd Grantham's defense is extremely predictable. And, you know, Bama will know exactly what we were doing on every third down. I expect them to convert probably like 80% of their third downs this week, which is going to be demoralizing. Um, I don't see a problem playing Bryce Young. I guess Bama does. You may run the risk that they just kind of run the ball, but that offense also kind of trending towards just being a pass-centric offense. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with Young this week. I, I wish we had seen more rushing upside from him so far. Like he really isn't running that much. And I, I, that's probably by design in the Alabama offense, to be honest, like, cause we know he can do it and he's very mobile, but I wish there was more upside. Cause I think that game probably doesn't stay close for long. And I know Alabama will run the ball opposed to Oklahoma who will just continue to throw. Yep. And, you know, I like young this week. He just sits in a zone where I think I'm less confident with the high end range of outcomes for him than I am with, maybe the higher price guys than maybe one or two guys like slightly lower than him. So he's fine. I really have no issue with Bryce Young. And I think he's probably going to post 20, 25 points. Does he have a 30 point ceiling in him? I'm not sure. I mean, I think he does just because it's Bryce Young. But yeah, I'm kind of with you there for 300 more, unless I cannot get there. I kind of might feel more comfortable with Rattler. Um, and I think that, you know, if you're thinking about game script, I think the Oklahoma defense might be a little worse than the Bama defense. Maybe 
Adrian Martinez runs a little wild and, and, you know, keeps it closer than you think. And they have to score six, seven touchdowns, something like that. I don't know, but all right. Interesting question. And then we're going to have to start cherry picking down the line here, but I mean, there's still two guys. I think we should be very interested in DJ. You, you know, who should get right against Georgia tech. uh, Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati goes to Indiana, whose defense has not looked quite as good as we maybe thought they would be. We're getting a little discount here. DJU at 8,800. I mean, I do think 30, 35 points is absolutely in his range of outcomes. Um, And then you'd be getting a discount and getting a high point total. Their point total is like top three on the slate. Cincy, similar situation. I love how their offense runs through Ritter. He runs, he passes, he does everything for them. Uh, you interested in either one of these two guys? I like DJU more than I like Ritter. And that's part of because I think that they will pass because Georgia Tech actually has a good rushing defense. Um, they have been 26th in EPA per rush attempt. So they're efficient on like a, a rush attempt basis and, and um, you know, really preventing like big plays. And it's not like they've played anybody huge, right? They played Kansas State and NIU, but it, it, it is, I think, indicative of how Clemson will probably game plan for this. And I think this is the game that DJU gets right. I think he's, at some point, he's going to have like a 350-4 and four game. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that is replacing Trevor Lawrence. We all think he's great. And, it, you know, Clemson's 17th in the country in pass rate. I think that they – and they like to – they have a high neutral, neutral game script pass rate as well. I think people will stay away from DJU this week because – similar to what Rattler Rattler looked like, right? Like they're only allowing 123 and a half yards per game, despite having being 80th in EPA per pass attempt. Like they are not a good pass defense. They just kind of probably look good on paper for some people. So I like DJU a lot this week. Um, As with Ritter, I mean, Ritter, I feel kind of similar to him, how I do Bryce Young. I don't know if the ceiling's there for him. I think that they are probably going to lean a lot on Jerome Ford, as well, I think Indiana's defense is better than a defense they faced. I don't. I don't think Rudier's going to throw for three hundred yards, and I don't think he'll rush for a hundred yards. So I. I don't know what his ceiling is this week. I just think I prefer DJU because I think DJU has the path to do it because I don't think they're going to run as much. While, while Cincinnati, I think is going to have Jerome Ford very involved. Right, and uh, and I definitely think of all these teams. Uh, you know, the Cincinnati defense has probably the best chance to to potentially like keep Indiana under 10 points um, if yeah. they play anything like the Iowa game. I mean, Indiana just hasn't looked good at all, especially on offense, so, which I think was a little surprising to everybody. Um, I don't feel like Cincinnati is a matchup to get right. I think that that game has the biggest chance of being just like way out of control early. Like, I mean, you flip it on in the first quarter, it's already like 28 zero, something like that. So, uh, I mean, defensive scores, who knows? I just think that game could be extremely out of hand. Um, even though the spreads only three points, I just, that seems crazy. And we'll talk on the three and out plug for that show. Uh, will drop on Friday where me and Chris, as well as will, We'll talk about spreads and bets we like, but hint, hint, Cincinnati covering three is going to be kind of a smash. And then I I want to talk about Grayson McCall too. I mean, there's just a lot of options here this week. I feel like this is the week where we have a lot of options in a lot of places, so we're going to have to make some tough decisions. 
Grayson Ball comes in at 8,300. I mean, he's he's another one of those quarterbacks that just the whole offense runs through him. He he contributes on the ground. He gets rushing touchdowns. He can throw the ball. Um, he can get to 300 yards, although he, I don't think he's done it yet this year, but he did last year. Um, and Buffalo's not good. So the question is, if McCall, I mean, McCall has got four touchdowns in him against Buffalo. I think that's not out of the question. And at 8,300, you're getting a pretty good discount compared to the rest of these guys. Yep. I love McCall this week. I, uh, they're allowing 10.71 yards per pass attempt, which is 125th nationally. And they played Adrian Martinez last year, last week. And Grace McCall is a far more efficient passer than Adrian Martinez is. He's actually, Grace McCall is actually one of the more efficient passers in the um, country. He, he's excellent on a per play basis. And the, the only concern I think with coastal is that they have, the lightest pass rate in the country. They only throw um, 39.1% of the time, but Grace McCall's a rusher. And so like he'll contribute in both, both areas. I think he is probably the safest floor um, of quarterback in like the 8K range. And I think that he has the ceiling because how, how involved he'll be probably throughout the game. I mean, Grayson McCall is just like such a good player. Buffalo, the, the spread's 12. So hopefully it stays close. And I think that there's a real possibility it does. Um, I like McCall a lot this week. Uh, he's one of my favorite plays in that rank, price range. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And just just looking at, I mean, this year they've played two games. He's thrown for about 250. He hasn't been as much of a runner yet this year. But last year, I mean, you could easily expect 40-plus rushing yards. He went over 51, uh, two, three, four times, scored seven rushing touchdowns on the ground in 11 games. Um, so, you know, you were getting a rushing touchdown you know, every other game or better. And then threw for 300 yards three times. So, you know, he uh, he certainly has the potential to hit one or even he hasn't hit a running bonus yet, but it's in his range. I mean, he's he's had 75. He's had 96 yards. It Absolutely. wouldn't be out of the question to get to 100, but he can certainly mark- Yeah. And like you said, yeah. Buffalo's pass defense is absolutely terrible. He's completing... 82% of his passes. So he does not need that many attempts to have a lot of completions compared to some other quarterbacks. No, absolutely, absolutely not. And they allowed Adrian Martinez to get 100 yards on them last week. So, I Chris mean, McCall I don't know if McCall... Better. He is I don't better. know if he's a better rusher, but he's definitely a better quarterback, and he can yeah, run the ball. So I, yeah. I would not be surprised if he has a huge game against Buffalo defense that we know. It, that put They let Nebraska put up 28 points, so... That kind of, that, that's really all I need to say about Grayson Collier. <laughs> I mean, it's I think true. he's a great play. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Okay. it's We're at the halfway mark about for this podcast, a little over maybe, and we're only on quarterbacks because there's so many to talk about. But I'm going to give you three names here. I want you just to kind of give me quick hitters about them. They're guys we've talked about. So if you're, you're writing this down or whatever, remember these names as we dip under the 8,000 mark. Sam Hartman for Wake. Um, we talked about uh sam hartman now i'm not i'm not remembering who else sam hartman we liked who, who else did you like in that range you you had another guy oh jack Plummer for jack Purdue. Plummer, my guy so those two guys are right under the eight thousand mark and then um tell me are, are you interested in any gator quarterbacks with what's going on there no um, i'm not falling into the trap i fell into with Derek king i do not think emory jones is nearly as good as Derek king is He's going to struggle this week. The only so I, I love Jack Plummer and I love Sam Hartman. I think that that game with Purdue is going to be 
uh, a high scoring affair. The Spartans have not been very good. Plummer already has like 558 and six on the year. Um, I really, I really like Plummer this week. I think that 7,900 is a great price for him. Uh, Hartman, Hartman, similarly, Florida state has just not been good. They're lying 10.46 yards per pass attempt. They're like 87th in EPA per pass attempt. Hartman should really have no problem. He has five games with 300 more yards in uh, his last 12 full games. So he's, he also has legit bonus potential in a game that I think that they are going to throw a bunch in, or maybe not a bunch, but I think they'll throw efficiently in. So both guys I love. The last guy in this range, the, seven, the 7K range, I still like Adrian Martinez. I'm going back to Adrian Martinez this week because I think that he looks terrible for 90% of it, but you play him anyway, and you're like, oh, like that's not a bad week for Adrian yeah, Martinez. You can have an 80 just don't, just don't watch him. Just don't watch him. Yeah. Just don't watch him. Just play Adrian uh, Martinez, like just don't call. watch him. And then if you're building some kind of super lineup with, with the running backs and receivers, you can go crazy level discount. Brandon Lewis for Colorado. I know Chris kind of likes him. He is a rusher. He hasn't done a lot yet this year, but he has the capacity to, you know, give you 60 plus yards on the ground if, if they let him run a little bit. Um, he's only 55K. And if you want to go really crazy, Davis Brin for Tulsa uh, at 4,800 against Ohio State. Like that is insane for a quarterback. Uh, he hasn't been very good, but maybe you luck into like 225 yards and two touchdowns for 4,800 or something like that. And maybe some sneak rushing touchdown or something wild. But, you know, if you're just doing a full on YOLO tournament and want to load up on all the other positions, 4,800 for a starting quarterback is kind of insane no matter who it is. Yeah, I like I like book. I actually really, really like Brendan Lewis this week. Minnesota's defense has been straight bad. 121st in yards per pass attempt given up, 97th in EPA per team pass attempt. They also allow 4.5 yards per carry, 96th in rushing EPA per play. They just have not been a good uh, good defense. I think with with his ability in both phases of the game, I think that he, he will he could have a very strong weekend at 5500. I really like him. Brynn is like a one-off tournament play where you hope that the Ohio State defense that's ranked 90th in both pass yards per pass attempt and EPA comes this week and Bryn maybe ekes out enough at 4,800 to like pay off for you. Like, I don't think, I don't think that's crazy, but there's also a chance that he gets you under 10 points. Like he's, he's averaging under 10 points already. He hasn't played Ohio state. It's just, just know that that's in his range of outcomes. Like don't, don't go crazy with him, but I, I think that he has some tournament potential. Yeah. I mean, you know, why wait till Sunday as an entity is not telling you to go play these super cheap quarterbacks. They're super cheap for a reason. Uh, I agree with you. The rushing floor for Lewis, he's had 45 and 70 something yards on, on his, in his two games. So that kind of probably gets you to 10 points almost no matter what. Um, and, you know, he gets a touchdown or two, maybe rushes for a touchdown. You know, you can see a path for 18 points um, for Lewis at his salary. That's not half bad at all, but uh, yeah, uh, Brind uh, is just a complete, I'm not saying do it. I'm saying if you feel like you want to load up on everything, he is a quarterback at that price. You can, you know, you can do something. Um, yeah, we, we are not advocating for playing those guys this week. All right. I'm, advoc up. I'm advocating for playing him in a one-off. If you want to get funky. Sure. Again, if you want to get funky. Yeah, of course. I mean, the you know, I try, I try to avoid the, 
if you want to do it in a tournament, because you can literally make an argument for absolutely anybody if you want to do it in a tournament, but that's that's the type of guy you're going to be talking about. So, yeah. All right, we're we're probably going to need to click kick into hyperdrive here. Um, the running backs, I am not terribly impressed with our choices here. I mean, Reese White, who splits time, is the most expensive running back on the slate. Mayan Williams, Ohio State. Uh, splits time again. I mean, Trevion Henderson is going to keep working into that. You know, I do think Mayan Williams has two touchdown potential. Uh, I mean, he could, you know, they could, they're going to score a lot, but you, I really don't know if you can count on where it's going to come from, especially out of the back, the backfield. Trey Potts, he's at 7,300. He's getting that Mo Ibrahim workload. 20 plus, uh, you know, carries, I think are in the bag for him. How's Colorado's defense so far? Uh, it's actually okay against the run. It's definitely the best run defense they faced. And the thing that that's shocking. Yeah. Um, the thing with pots, that's really driven me like away from him for the most part has been that I don't think he can really run inside. And I think he's going to have to, to succeed this week against, Colorado, I mean, they're only giving up 2.8 yards per, like, attempt. I just don't I just don't think that they're particularly – like, I just don't think Potts is a, like, crazy efficient player that can run inside like Ibrahim could. So I think he is, like, an avoid at his price point. Like, I just think he got, got priced up too far. Nice. Well, he had a – yeah, he had a big week last week. Sure. Um, yeah. I really like the next guy. Kyron Williams comes in as the fourth highest running back on the slate. And, I mean, I it seems like – pretty decent chance he winds up as the number one running back scorer i mean he's going to catch three to five passes so that's you know more than the rest of these guys probably maybe reese white catches that many but i don't even think that many i think kyron williams has the highest receiving upside which obviously we know is huge in ppr scoring um and getting in the end zone twice we both already said we think this game is gonna be fairly high scoring and he is a workhorse. I mean, they don't, they give a little to Tyree, but it's pretty much Kyron Williams backfield. Yeah, no, I, I like Kyron this week. Like he's averaging 21.5 opportunities, which I, um, you know, we talked about last week, how I'm defining his targets and rush attempts. So 21 and a half is really good for a Purdue defense. That's outside the top 60 and um, uh, EPA per rush attempt. He's our nine targets through two weeks, 55 routes run. He's involved really all, all uh, facets of the game. They're seven point favorites, so the game script should be in his favor. I really like Kyron Williams as well. I think I think he's my favorite play above seven K for sure. Yeah, I like that. I'm not interested in Kenneth Walker yet. Uh, going down to Miami, I am interested in Kenneth Walker. You so are is- okay. Tell, tell me so, about Kenneth Walker. I just guess I don't think he's that good. He had that huge week one though. So Miami's defense is 72nd in EPA per rush attempt allowed. They're letting in 150 yards per game. They let Cameron Peoples post 17, 95, and 1 on 5.6 yards per carry. They also gave 51 up to Nate Noel for App State. They just let App State run all over them last week and, and had really no problem doing it. They almost also lost to App State, and App State is like a rushing team. I think Kenneth Walker is both better than both Peoples and Nate Noel. I like him this week. I think he's going, I think he's in line for maybe like 30 touches. At 30 yeah. touches again, really. That, that, I, believe I don't that. think Miami Steve. I don't think Miami Stevens is very good against the rush, and so we will. I guess we'll see more. But I was not impressed how they did against App State last week. 
Well, that's why we do this together, Chris, because you opened my eyes and I think I'm interested in Walker a little bit now. Um, on the surface, I would have just kind of, you know, he didn't play much against Youngtown State, got seven carries, but it was Youngstown State. They didn't need him. Uh, first game out of the gate, 23 for 264 and four. If you guys missed that against Northwestern. Um, so Jerome Ford versus Indiana, you seem to think that they will run the ball a lot. Are you in for 7K? Yeah, yeah, I, I like him as well. Um, he is also involved in the receiving game. He's run 30 routes so far, so I think that you know he can he can probably catch a couple passes if if he needs to. Indiana's defense has just not been particularly good. They're 76th um, against the rush this year. I just I'm not impressed. They let Tyler Goodson run all over them. Um, I like I don't particularly like. Indiana like I'm shocked at the spread first of all and I, I just think Ford's a pretty good running back um you know he's he's averaged 16 rush attempts and two blowouts this year seven point yards per carry and on back-to-back 100 yard games I mean I, I like Ford I, I don't think he's as expensive as he should be like I think he should be prioritized over mine Williams and he's like 500 cheaper so yeah. I like Ford um, stop me if you like any of these guys, but I don't think I do on first glance just for game script purposes and blow up potential, you know, Letty Brown, Corbin, Borgie hasn't even been catching passes this year. Brian Robinson splits time. Lindsay Dixon splits time. McClellan's, you know, that Bama backfield is going to run three deep. Uh, Kevin Marks is the workhorse for Buffalo, but Coastal Carolina is pretty good on, um, defensively. I know offline we've talked about Christian Beal Smith. So we're starting to get down here. We like some guys in that 7K range, but now we're we're struggling to find somebody until we hit. I know you're gonna you like Cameron Harris, who kind of is a last man standing in that Miami backfield. Do you see 20 25 touches in his uh, future? I don't know about 25 touches, but I think 20 is in the range of outcomes. I, I mean, I think there are cheaper guys that like better. I think there's guys that are a little more expensive. So I know you're not big on Letty Brown and Corbin this week, but I, I think I like both. I think Letty Brown. You can't play them all, Chris. I'm just I'm just saying I prefer Letty Brown. Well, over... Jacks we like. I'm just... Oh, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying I like Letty Brown. He's getting 21. He's getting like 20 opportunities per game. He's running 60 routes. He has eight targets already. Virginia Tech 74th in EPA per rush against the rush. Like he's involved in all phases. He is what RB1 on the slate upside. Corbin also 62% of the team rush attempts. Roy Forrest can be beat on the ground. He has six targets through two weeks. I like both those guys. I'm avoiding everybody else probably above 5K. Fair e oh above five k. I like uh, I like that Cameron means Harris. Cameron Harris is kind of in the doghouse then. A little bit. Okay. Um, down down. I mean, Jameer Gibbs at fifty one hundred is is so tantalizing, but I can't do anyone against Clemson. Um, no. all right, let's dip below five k. Let me see if I can guess who you like. Oh, I'll let you say it. I'll let you say it because you like him as well. This is your, this is all let's, you. Let's dip down into the bargain bin. King Dor Doriao for Purdue. Um, you know, due to injury to Xander Horvath, has inherited most likely a feature back role at forty six hundred, and we like the game script. Tell me a little more about King. 
Yeah, so when Horvath went down last week, he had 12 carries for 72 yards, 74 yards and a touchdown. Does get Utah, Utah get, or Utah, UConn again. Does get a struggling Notre Dame defense that's allowed five yards to carry it and the 81st, they're 85th um, in EPA per rush attempt, so they've not been efficient either. He's just a feature back for a, a good creative offense. So at 4,600, I, I really like uh, Doru. I think that he could surprise a lot of people this week. So I, I mean, 4,600, you're getting a feature back in a, what should be a high scoring game. I'm, I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Uh, and he actually, as a true freshman, he was pretty involved. And then Horvath showed up last year and kind of became the guy. But uh, King Doro, Dorio has a history of, of being kind of like the primary back. I'm going to let you introduce the next one. We're going to go back-to-back bargain bins. Yeah. No, I like Shamari Jones um, at Coastal Carolina. He is a $3,300 savings off Reese White, despite having only two fewer rush attempts and the same number of targets through two games. The touchdowns have gone White's way, which is fine, right? But uh, Jones is still getting very similar opportunity, and he's getting the same opportunity in the red zone. It's just happening to go uh, White's way. And and so Jones has been efficient. He's averaging 7.5 yards per attempt. He does have two touchdowns himself through two games, but – this is also a coastal team, like I talked about earlier, has a, the nation's lowest pass rate at 39.1%. They should be an e- so you see like an even split between the two. I love him at that discount as 12 and a half point favorite. So like Shamari Jones is a guy that I'm really, really interested in to save some salary on the slate. Yeah, I mean, you could potentially roll King uh uh Dor I struggle with his name, Dory Doryu, uh, and Shamari Jones for a total backfield like under. 9k or under uh, 10k certainly under 10 uh which would be you know pretty impressive i think i like king better for purdue but uh yeah shamari jones don't forget that name any other super cheap running backs i don't think we've got anybody i when you get lower it, it gets a lot more dicey so i think i think those are probably the lowest that'll go this week um we there's been some oh. couple values but yeah, I, I feel like we'd be remiss to to not mention the Miami backs behind Cameron Harris. Um, you know, they're out Knighton, they're out Don Chaney. So it's it's Cameron Harris and it's two true freshmen, Cody Brown, who's at 3,600, and then um, Thad, uh, what's his name? Thad um, Franklin, I believe, uh, who's another true freshman. The tea leaves seem to suggest Cody Brown. The pricing suggests Cody Brown would be next in line. He's kind of a bruiser, so I could see him getting some kind of short yardage touchdown at 3,600, but I do think it's going to be Cameron Harris. Uh, but if you want to get funky with it, those would be some insanely cheap running backs you could who are going to get some touches uh, that you could play. All right, let's take it to wide receiver. And we got Javian Hiley coming in as the most expensive wide receiver i think it's warranted he's been outstanding and he is the absolute alpha for coastal carolina grayson mccall's number one target but like you mentioned they don't throw a lot yeah i am not in on highlight this week I, he is um he's not like getting a massive target share like he he is getting a lot of targets he's a concentrated target share don't get me wrong and he's a very explosive player but there are just better options that are three, four, five, a thousand dollars cheaper that like, I almost prefer over him. So it, it's just, a, it's a hard sell to really get up to 8,300 where he's at. 
Yeah, um, you can't go wrong with Ohio State. You know, I think we already talked about we like Stroud. So Olave is in play at 8,100. But the price difference between Olave and Garrett Wilson continues to be a real head scratcher. Uh, Wilson comes in at 6,400, you know, and they're not even that different on the season. I do not understand this. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I'm probably not playing Olave. I'm going to just play Wilson. Wilson has more targets through. I, it, um, it makes no sense. I don't understand. He- He's 33% of Ohio State's target share. Like Wilson, Wilson has not had the touchdowns go his way. So he isn't as sexy as Olave is right now. We're going to just play Garrett Wilson again, like we played him last week. Like we I mean, played him you week said one. Wilson has more targets. I guess Olave has more, more catches, 50 more yards, but, yeah. you know, same amount of touchdowns, same amount of average per reception. So they're about the same. I mean, the price difference there just makes no sense. No, I, I really Garrett Wilson six four hundred is a great, great price. So I, yeah, I mean, I love him again this week. Figure out a way. Uh, you can't go wrong with some of these other guys. I mean, Marvin Mims. We already talked about how much we like Oklahoma and their passing attack. Uh, John Mechie has proven to be kind of. I, he's not really an alpha because JoJo Earl is getting some run. Uh, at least got some against Mercer. But I think in a, in a full game gets an SEC opponent. It seems to be John Mechie. So good for him. I did not think that would happen, but it has happened. And then we can't go wrong with David Bell. Like David Bell is probably the clearest alpha uh, on the slate in terms of just like dominating every single target in his offense. So (laughs) he really is. I mean, it's just, it's one of these things in college. You just don't even see this on the NFL side. Like just a guy who's just going to get 70% of his team's targets or something like that. So, you know, in a game, they should be trailing. I have no problem with David Bell at 7,700. Um, I mean, 10, 10 catches is yeah in his range. I actually got to check the prize picks line on his receptions. Cause if it's, if it's even 6.5, I think I'm going over. Yeah, oh, a- absolutely. I'm thinking over, probably, I'm probably going over on the yardage too. He, he has gone below 78 yards once in Ever? the last, in no, it, 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 since 2020, the start of 2020 he's gone over 78 yards once, including this season. Well, we, as a freshman, we group, I wouldn't even be shocked yeah. if he hasn't done it his whole career. He he's just such a uh, rock solid player. Like David rock Bell's solid. David Bell's solid. great in your lineup. The only um, one that I would play even look at that's that's above him is Drake London, and it's it's a similar idea to David Bell. They're just such a concentrated target share. Um, you know, London has twenty four targets through two games. I mean, that's you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find that. And Washington State's defense is like 268.5 yards per game so far this year. I mean, I don't think they, that game has a very low total. It's only 48 and a half. But London is such the alpha in that room that, I mean, he could have another 12 targets this week. I just, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I'm one fine with London this mind, week. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind, he tweaked his back apparently in the game. Uh, they think he's going to play, but he's got the little red flag next to his name. So just keep keep yeah. an eye out for that. Um, we do have to wrap this up, uh, but we have some guys we still definitely need to talk about. Um, talk to me about Wake Forest. We like that game. We like FSU players. We like Hartman. We love. We love Jaquire Roberson. Yeah, baby, smash the slate. He's so he's pretty down against like the country's worst pass defense. I just don't really understand. They allowed Zarek Cooper. Of Jacksonville State to throw 330 yards <laughs> after Jack Cohn lit them up week one. Like, I don't understand why he's priced so far down. I, I think he's the best um, dollar for production receiver in this range. 
He's clear number one. I have I love Roach this week. This is actually so I don't usually pay up for wide receiver. I think I think you can find values um, in other places, but I think this is the week to pay up for wide receiver. There are some really nice prices that allow you to do so. Roberson, Bell, London, Garrett Wilson, all above sixty four hundred, all really nice options this week. Yeah, I mean those three would be very intriguing lineup. Um, and then, you know, I, I was throwing out some names, but I know we got to go down into the bargain bin again. Let's just bring them up. Jalen Naylor for Michigan State. Uh, this guy had a really high yards per. Uh, you know, reception last year at 19.8 for Michigan State. He was very involved in their, granted, anemic passing game, but but highly involved. And then uh, this year is second on the team, but he's only 4K, which I think is just too cheap for Naylor. I mean, their leading receiver, Jaden Reed, has 33 receptions. Naylor has 26. Uh, Naylor's averaging... You know, 19 or that was this was last year. I'm sorry. This was last year. He was second on the team. He had the most receiving yards. He had the highest yards per catch. He had the most receiving touchdowns. Uh, but then so far this year, it's been much more Jaden Reed um, with 245 yards to Naylor's 59. But at 4K, I think he's still going to be involved in this offense and they're going to probably. Like you said, Miami Stevens not very good. I kind of like Naylor if you need to save a little. Yeah, he actually has more targets and more routes to run than Jaden Reed. And, I mean, Reed's just been benefited like two big plays so far this year. Naylor is consistently like a big play guy for them. So I really like Naylor this week. I mean, Miami's defense is 95th and 99th in yards per pass attempt given up and EPA per pass attempt. So, I mean, they're close to the league, the um, the average and the bottom in the country. So, I, I think Naylor is a great value this week. Uh, any other receivers you want to mention? I think that's kind of it for me. Cause I think I'm with you. I'm like paying up for wide receiver, maybe cheaper running backs. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, a lot can change between now and Saturday, which shout out tune in Saturday morning for the tailgate. We're going to go over all of our guys who are gone up and down since the recording of this show, there will be changes, but right now I'm not sure I love any of the cheaper guys. I know you have a couple throw out some names for us. Yeah, so a little higher up is uh, Joe Nagata. He's been really, really solid for Clemson. They have a high pass rate. That game should be out of hand fairly quickly, and I think he could be a big part of that. I also like Travell Harris. Um, you know, UCS, US, UCS, USC has struggled. Um, Harris went six for 80 and two last week. They feed the slot receiver there, so I, I really love Harris. Um, and some other salary savers, kind of like Jalen Naylor, um, Isaiah likely is actually tied with uh highlight for the uh, target share with 31 and 31.1. So I think that he could have a good week this week. He just hasn't found the end zone yet. And I think mm-hmm. if he does at 4,400, great value, Mario Williams, 4,100. He actually leads the team in targets for uh, Oklahoma. He's ran the third most routes. So, you know, he's in for three out receiver sets again, really nice value. Bryce Ford Wheaton at West Virginia, he leads the team in target share despite being $1,500 cheaper than uh, Winston Wright Jr. Again, really, really great value for um, a bad Virginia Tech defense who allowed 283 yards to Middle Tennessee State last week. Um, and then the last last guy, which is like a really deep name, Jackson Anthrop at Purdue. So he is behind David Bell and he's behind Payne Durham in the target pecking order. But 12 targets through two contests. We think this is going to be a high total. I think he's a nice way to get action in the slate 
and in this game at a very minimum price point. So he's a guy that I'm even plugging in here and there and, and seeing what he does. I mean, he's got 12 targets to two games, so he's, it's not like he's not involved. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I like potentially playing with some lineups where you have those three receivers. We really liked uh, on the kind of the, that are more expensive. And then, you know, in your flex spot, make a couple lineups where you have all three of those big, big receivers, and then just pick one with Jojo Earl, uh, which you didn't mention, but I also like him for Bama uh, at UF. He's getting plenty of targets, but you know, maybe those three and then likely those three. And then, um, you know, some of these uh, Naylor. So just keep the three stud receivers and then plug in some of these like third, you know, lesser guys and just where you just hope your lineup with one of them pops. Of course you need to get the other stuff right too, but that's one strategy where just keep interchanging, have most of the things the same and keep and have, you know, some tournament lineups with, with these, these guys uh, and you just need one of them to go off and, and you could be in a tournament maybe. Um, well, unless you have some closing thoughts, I think we can wrap it up. I mean, it, it is uh, just kind of my closing thoughts are going through this. There, There's a lot of plays that are appealing, which is the first week. I think we're getting a little bit settled. We have some actual 2021 data to be working off of. We've seen these guys on the field twice. And I feel like I'm getting my sea legs here a little bit about what to expect. I had a decent run last week, except for the quarterbacks, which were injury, bad luck. Um, but it's going to be tough because there's a lot of plays I want to, I want to put out there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this, this is going to be a challenging slate because of that. But, you know, I think this is a slate where you pay up for a wide receiver. Maybe you get, you stay in the middle range at running back, go Corbin, go Drew however you pronounce it, not exactly sure. Maybe Shamari Jones, Letty Brown, that area. Get Lock in some big-name wide receivers, stack them with quarterbacks in games that we like. So I think that's kind of the path that I'll be taking this week. Yeah, and then, again, just a shout-out for the tailgate on Saturday morning. I mean, by then, I'll pretty much have all the lineups I'm playing locked. I mean, I'm not going to necessarily just run down all my lineups, but I'll have a little better idea of what I feel real comfortable with. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about guys we're on, we're off. And, um, you know, definitely tune in for that. That is a valuable piece of information in addition to the midweek. Why wait till Sunday? First look at the slate. And then tune in on Friday. We'll be dropping the three and out, which we're going to record shortly and drop it on Friday, uh, which is our, our bets. You know, we're going to we're going to be taking some wagers and, and making a money line bet, a uh, spread bet and then a parlay. Uh, and we're keeping track of that score. I am currently in the lead. Whoop. Um, but that could change any moment. So tune in for the three and out. If you haven't looked at it yet, uh, it's a new show this year we started and, um, you know, we would love to get you involved there. And always, as always, we are available on Twitter at Alfred JF for me at Chris Moxley 19 for him. And, uh, we'll see you out in those streets. Have a great weekend and we'll see us Saturday morning.